We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Knicks Film School pregame show. My name is Andrew Claudio, a.k.a. GMAC, and it's time to preview the Knicks' upcoming matchup against the Philadelphia 76ers and not talk about the lead-up to the NBA trade deadline. Um, for those who missed it, where have you been and why are you only tuning into the pregame pod that you ended up missing what happened with the Knicks the past couple days? Cam is gone. The... So, so is Ryan Archie Diakono and uh, Sabine Mikhailik. Um, but Josh Hart is en route to New York. The Villanova product, Jalen Brunson's former teammate, is on his way to the Big Apple. I doubt he's going to play in this game. So you'll probably still see the same nine-man rotation, eight of which helped beat the Sixers six days ago on Sunday against uh, the Knicks at the Garden. Um, and joining me in just a second to break it all down is Austin Krell. Uh, he works for the Painted Line. He covers the Sixers for them. It's a USA Today publication. Um, he also hosts a podcast called The Feed to Embiid. I love these podcast names that I'm finding throughout the the NBA verse, um, Podverse, I should say. Uh, so he's going to come on in just a second. And he went to Villanova, so there was an obvious connection I went to right away. It didn't change the fact that the conversation went in directions that I was not prepared to go, like the fact that he was high school teammates with Cam Reddish, which obviously demanded some follow-up questions and how he experienced the last couple of years of his uh, his old high school teammate um, uh, and what happened in New York. Uh, but I think you're going to enjoy this conversation. Austin was great, and I hope... I'm glad he had a, a good time on the pod. At least I hope he had a good time on the pod. I hope uh, this is the first loss that Philadelphia gets this weekend. Whether or not I hedge my Eagles uh, plus or minus two and a half bet on Sunday is is another story. So um, as far as the basketball is concerned, the Knicks take on the Philadelphia 76ers on Friday night at 7 p.m. And here is my conversation with Austin Krell of the Painted Lines and the Feed to Feed podcast, previewing it all. Enjoy. Joining me now here on the Knicks Film School pregame show, 
with the trade deadline come and gone, and we can now finally get back to basketball, the Knicks, for the second time in six days, will take on the Philadelphia 76ers, this time in Philadelphia. And joining me to preview this matchup and break it all down, he is a beat writer for the Painted Lines, an NBA writer for the for USA Today, and the host of the Feed to Embiid, a Sixers-centric podcast. Please welcome Austin Krell. Welcome to the podcast, sir. Awesome. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate you making time. Um, I It's weird because I've been in trade deadline mode for a lot of the last, uh, let's say, 96 hours, pretty much since, yeah. since the Knicks played <laughs> the Sixers on Sunday. And um, I, I've found my way to transition back into basketball and, and who's here and who didn't leave. Um, as far as you are concerned, the Sixers uh, didn't do much at the deadline, but they did like Matisse Thibel won't be in this game um, for the for, for the Sixers anymore on, on Friday night. Uh, what was your reaction to the deadline? I guess in particular, I got a comment about little brother across the river. Um the fact that a contender disappeared in, in the Sixers uh, out of the Sixers way for a title. Yeah. It's, it's unbelievable how quickly that all unfolded. Mm -hmm. um, it's no, I mean, I, I think that it kind of speaks to the absolute insanity of like this league mm -hmm. for lack of a better, lack of a better word. Um, you know, it's like you, you think back to it, like it all, spiraled so fast that they were they looked so unbeatable for like 15 games and they were it was basketball symphony for you know that stretch of time that all three of Harden Gene or Harden uh Durant and Kyrie were available and it's now it's just like oh my god this is just the remnants and the scrap of what of that three threesome and I mean they 12 months go by and all three guys requested a trade. <laughs> One trade request is rare. Three guys requested trades, three yeah. stars. That is unbelievable. So. Yeah. Did you, um, I guess in real time last year, did you get the idea that what was left after the Simmons for Harden trade went down last year? That, okay, that, that's not a big three that we'll have to continue to deal with. That situation is kind of unstable and not necessarily that this would play out, that within the next calendar year, they'd all be gone, but that um, this they weren't something to be necessarily worried about. So I always thought that at worst, it would be a pain in the backside to have to like deal with Ben Simmons on defense and then like you have to then go back on your defensive end and deal with Durant and, and Kyrie. I did not factor in the possibility that Ben would regress into a shell of his prime of, of, of his best self. Like mm. the, the version you're seeing, I promise is not the version that, that was that the Sixers had the first two ish, two or three years. I mean, this guy is, is a total shade of, of what he used to be, whether that be mental, physical, what have you. But I think that plays a big role in it. Cause they're like, look, we don't have a big three. Like we just don't have that. I like, we, were, we were willing to work with it. Cause if the guy was himself, then we'd be pretty good, but he just isn't himself. And like Kyrie doesn't want, you know, Kyrie isn't going to get the extension he wants. And it, there's nothing for me to work with here. And so I think that's a part in it. And I think one of the last things, one of the last reports about Ben Simmons was that 
he wanted to have his own team, something that he didn't have in Philly. Well, now he has his own team. Ta-da! Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so good luck with that. We'll see how that goes. I know he came off the bench tonight and had six rebounds and three assists in 14 minutes. Um, you know, I was watching the next game while I was eating dinner leading up to this. And I was looking at the stands. And I was like, my God, the entire building is emptied out. Like, yeah. no one's there. And they interviewed Mikhail Bridges, who I went to, I went to college with, Villanova. Um, he looked like he was like sedated and very sad. And everyone on the court for the Nets looked like they couldn't believe that they were reduced to this team. And it's just, you know, and this isn't like it's like a one, one or two year scrap down and, you know, restructure. This is, we don't have our own picks for a while. We have nothing yeah. for a while. Um, they're going to be a middling team for a couple of years. And, you know, uh, then we'll see, but just it, 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 this is a great day for the Knicks and their fandom because because <laughs> the Nets thought they were the big shots in the city and they've been kicked all the way back down to the basement. So I, I will say this: as far as the hierarchy in New York is concerned, that never changed. Um, yeah. The idea of the Nets and look, this is where I actually end up more empathetic on the other side of this. That. Um, like what you thought was is no more or what could be will never happen. Um, yeah. But I look, as far as the Knicks are concerned, um, this is now another team they have to contend with for like the six or five seed, you know, in the Eastern conference. So the, the gap between them and Brooklyn obviously is, I would say non-existent, but let's see what this new version of the team turns into. As far as Villanova guys are concerned, the Knicks traded for one and they already had a, a pretty good I one. I love that for the Knicks. I yeah. love that. I so, love that. I got to tell you, uh, I went to, I played on the same high school team as Cam Reddish. We were teammates for one year. Okay. Uh, so I had a sweet spot in the heart for him. It's been a rough go in his start to his NBA career. I hope he'll, Hope he gets an opportunity. Um, and then Jalen Brunson was a freshman when they when we were, we were both freshmen together and won the championship. And then a week later, after they won the championship in his freshman year, he took pick up with us and Dante DiVincenzo on our freshman court like that we had by our dorms. So like I posted him up, I got a steal. He then bought me in a post and got me back. So I've had I've had my success against them or with NBA players. So Interesting. Got to, you know, <laughs> yeah. So your your uh, your connection dropped just as you were saying that his freshman year started. So if I got that right, after they won the title, they went him and DiVincenzo went to like your your court and you got to actually play pickup with them. Yeah, they all, we all lived in like the same vicinity on campus together, and so they were like, "Oh, let's enjoy the end of our freshman year and it's normal students." And oh, they wow. played pickup with a couple of us, and that was it. Um, but yeah, that that was really. That, that was that was cool. Uh, Cam is a good dude. I, I feel for him. I think he, you know, he, she, if he gets an opportunity, he might have a chance. But let me tell you, Josh Hart's going to be a great ad. Great ad. I mean, he is uh, this season. He he's sneakily one of the best wing rebounders in the NBA. He's got a, a defensive rebounding percentage on missed shots for opponents of like nineteen, which is tops in, amongst amongst wings. So I mean, really, really sneaky good pickup for the Knicks. I really hope so. Believe me, I, I'm very much hoping that Josh Hart is a sneaky good pickup for yeah. this team. Do you mind if I ask a Cam question? I know we didn't prepare for sure. it, but I just now found out that someone who played with him in high school is now on the show. Um, I mean, what did you make of how he was being used and like his relegation to the bench and and 
I just like I, we, props to him. We never really heard anything after the benching happened. And yeah, I just I always thought it was like a bad fit. It was a disconnect between the front office and the the coach on whether you could find this player useful or not. This is from the outside looking in, but yeah. you know, the, the player unfortunately had to suffer as a result, not to mention there was also like, he was also playing poorly when he got taken out of the rotation. So what did you make of all of that? Knowing the player personally? So I think like when you look at Cam and granted, I haven't like talked to him since we were in high school. It's been years, but we were on the same team together. Um, um, you know, I, I think this, all NBA players, and when they come in, wings especially, don't realize that. Like I have to defend my butt off to to to, to be a mainstay in a rotation and earn trust. And you know, I don't know that he, and that's especially the case with Tibbs. Like you got to be a, def- a defense first guy with Tibbs. Mm-hmm. I don't know that it that quite registered in his mind. I do know that. Um, I, I don't know that it didn't or it did. I just that's that that's you know from what I can see from afar. He got some chances with Atlanta. Looked good, you know, as he as he got healthy and got more rotation there. Um, he's always been like a, a. You can see his skill when he puts the ball on the floor and shoots off the dribble. He struggled with making and missing, you know, early in, in his career, and that's expected. You can adapt from that. I never felt that he looked like he was overwhelmed. He had the body. He had the you know the frame for it. Um, there was some skill there that just, if you gave him a, if, if you gave him like, you know, 15 minutes a night, there was something to tap into there. And that maybe if he can get comfortable and just, you know, catch up to the pace of the game, um, that there was something to tap into there. Um, I don't think he's a bad player. I think he's a guy that just hasn't found the right fit yet and has had, you know, whether it's a clash with the right coaching philosophy, whether it's, you know, uh, a, a gluttony of that's the, that's the right word. A glut of a glut, a glut of wings in you know in Atlanta with uh, Herder and Bogdanovich and uh, Hunter. Like, just give the guy a chance to play, and I think there's something. I think there's something there, just skill there to tap into. Yeah, I um, I wish Cam the best. I I don't like how it ended here with him. I don't necessarily. I wasn't one of the the hive advocating for him at a certain point, but uh, you know, uh, we'll see what opportunity he gets in, in Portland. As far as let me ask you this for Nick, for Nick's fans. So maybe because I don't know what it's like to have a city where you have two teams and I, and I would think that it would be like, okay, we support like both differently. Do Nick's fans, do Nick's fans even like watch Nets games when they're, when the Knicks aren't playing? No, they don't go to Nets games. No, they don't cheer for the Nets in the playoffs. No. If the Knicks are in. I was very much it's, ready to root for Milwaukee, and then I, I rooted for Boston last playoffs. Now, granted, I then wa- rooted for Milwaukee when um, B- Milwaukee played Boston, but yeah, there's the the inner seat. There's no when the Yankees advance and the Mets don't. You then jump on the the team that's still in the playoffs. I I don't have a, there's no Jets Giants thing there. I got that's different because the. Jets and Giants play each other every four years. Um, but Rangers Islanders, they're in the same division. So that's that's yeah. that dynamic. That's uh, literally a division rival I would never root for for them. Um, it is not all one hair in, in the air for the big city, as Alicia Keys once said. It's okay. literally, I, I rep my squad and that's it. So is it re- how about reverse? Same, same, same mutual feeling? Mutual feeling, yes. Okay. Okay. I would think... If it were if it were if it were me, I, I, so I guess you guys view it as like we are 
strictly division rivals that both happen to play in separate corners of the same city. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Okay. Think, Got think, uh, think Warriors and uh, I guess there's no Warriors and who? Lakers. Yeah, but I yeah. think Lakers Clippers even, although okay. that to your point might even they they actually are in the same city. But like I was yeah. more well, thinking. We, well, well, we think, know Lakers fans. They 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 uh, you know they they migrate. By uh-huh. year, so. Yes, I I was more saying like think. Oakland, San Francisco, if there's two teams like Got in it. proximity, they're probably really close, but I don't think Niners and Raiders fans are like, I'll root for that team when we're, when they're not playing. No, there's a rivalry there. Giants athletics are probably even more so of a reason. Um, but yeah, I, there's, there's, there's no like, Oh, well I'm rooting for you, you know, because you're New York. I, I, it's very much a, I root for my New York team, you know? So, if you see somebody at like a party or a, bar or a bar and you meet them and you're like talking to them and they go, Oh, I'm a Nets fan. That comes mm-hmm. up. Do you, do you, do you hear that? And you're like, given the personality, I'm not surprised. No, is that a- no, no. <laughs> that, that I don't go as far because it's sports. <laughs> okay. But okay. I will say, if you tell me you're a Yankee fan, I know a lot about you. That's a little okay. different. Um, which look, I, maybe I'm less aware, self-aware than I give off. And someone finds out I'm a Knicks fan and then is like, Oh, I know a lot about you. Like as a result, but that, that also goes to the fact that the Nets are a New York team since 2013 and the Knicks have been around since the fifties, you know? So there's, okay. there's a Fair difference enough. in, in territory as, yeah. as far as that's concerned. Um, so like a couple of years ago, I remember the Knicks. sorry to keep going on. No, you're good. Sorry, I, I had Sixers questions, but I'm good. Uh, like with a couple years ago when it was post bubble and everyone really like, in their own gyms again, but it was like empty seat, empty runs type thing. Mm-hmm. And the Nets and Knicks played like a, all four of their games were really close. So I remember was that really painful as a Knicks fan? Because it's like, it was like one or two shot difference every single game. Yeah. Well, like yeah. honestly, the way this Knicks season has gone, every shot has been yes. like a one or yeah. oh. one or two games. <laughs> so I was, I was I was texting with my buddies in Villanova, who a lot of a lot of New York New York people in Villanova. So mm-hmm. I, to talk about the Knicks, I was the other week I was saying like, is it weird to seem like every single Knicks home loss is a gut wrenching overtime yep. loss where they run out of gas? Yep. Now, like, who knows what the reason for that is? Some of it might yeah. be that they were, went to a nine-man rotation. Some of it might be that, like, the margin for everybody in this league seems to be like three to five points either way. Yeah. Um, but yes, it, it, we were talking about this on the pod the other day that um, the reason that there's never had the chance to be any momentum toward like any frustrations with Tibbs, like the way that the Madison Square Garden has operated to an extent is that when Knicks fans get frustrated, they're, they're watching a team that has quit on their coach or a team that's not being coached. Well, you get the fire coach's name, fire Fisdale, fire Fisher, fire D'Antoni. And that usually happens in the fourth quarter of a blowout. The Knicks don't get blown out. So every fourth quarter is close and they never have the chance at the end of a game to, to chant for anybody's head because every game's entertaining. Everything is a heartbreaking loss. And it's 10 minutes after we leave the arena. It's like, Tim should have done this, you know? So that, yeah, yeah. that's more the element of the, the so, process. And where that uh, goes. That's, that's, so like the other night, the Clippers lost where mm-hmm. the hits three at the buzzer. And then they lose in overtime, of course. I was thinking like, if that happened to the Sixers in Philly, mm-hmm. it would have been like the whole city would have fallen off a ledge. Like when they, when, when they blew a, a nine point lead to the Lakers in the last minute of regulation, mm-hmm. Couple weeks ago or months ago, the Sixers did. I thought, like, I was like, this is it. This is how 
the Sixers fandom ends for everybody. <laughs> There's mass jumping off bridges in the in in, in you know connecting Philly to New Jersey, and you know it's over. Like, and then they won the game. But I was like, my God, if that happened to the Sixers every single night, the way that I feel like it happens to the Knicks. I don't know what would happen. And I was actually happy for them that they came back from 21 down the win the other night against Sixers. I was like, you know what? Good for them. They oh. had a, a, a <laughs> bunch of awful losses this year. Just brutal losses. So good for them. Well, including, you want to talk about blowing a nine-point lead with a minute That's left. True. Remember when Luca in his sixth... Well, no. Oh, Luca, his 60-20-10 yeah. oh. game. The Knicks had a nine-point lead oh, with under whoa. 30 seconds left. A scenario that a team has only lost... One every 13,884 times. Thank you, Tim McMahon, for the stat. So they actually do have a loss on uh, their resume like that. You know, that's um, funny. Uh, there's like a great video of a Knicks fan live giving the game and reacting to it. And, and like, at, and like, Knicks are up nine, then they're up six, so like two minutes left. And the guy's like, he's like, oh, wait, <laughs> I'm still unbothered. It's all mm-hmm. right. And then, and then someone missed a free throw with like 30 seconds left in the Knicks. He was like, he was like, don't do this, bruh. Don't do this. And then and then Luca gets a put back at the buzzer and he's like, I hate the Knicks. I'm done. Yes. Very much listen, there is a video out there if people want to go look at the Knicks Film School account of us reacting on playback to the Luca but a game tying shot in regulation. For over 30 years, the law offices of Weiss and Rosenblum in New York City has been home to a team of award-winning, hard-hitting injury attorneys who have a long track record of seven-figure results. Whether you've been injured in a car accident, fall, construction accident, or other traumatic event, Weiss and Rosenblum will work tirelessly to maximize the award, regardless of the severity of your injury, and get you and your family the fair and just compensation you deserve. Call Weiss and Rosenblum today at 212-366-6100. Again, that's 212-366-6100 or visit weissandrosenbloom.com for more information. No case is too big or too small. Personal attention to your matter is a priority. Once more, call 212-366-6100. Previous results do not guarantee future outcomes. If you think you might have a case, speak with a veteran attorney, not a rookie. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. 
Twice a week, J.J. Reddick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free-throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, Knicks fans? This new year, you've got goals and Factor is here to help you achieve each and every one of them. Save time and have the energy you need to tackle everything on your to-do list with Factor's ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. Get Factor and not only skip the trip to the grocery store, but skip the chopping, prepping, and cleaning up too. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are ready in just two minutes, so all you have to do is heat and enjoy. No matter what your lifestyle, Factor has the meals to help you live it to the fullest. With keto, calorie smart, vegan veggie, and protein plus meals on the menu each week. Prepared by chefs and approved by dietitians, each meal has all the ingredients you need to feel satisfied all day long. With 34 chef prepared, dietitian approved weekly options, there's always something new to try. Plus, you can round out your meal and replenish your snack supply with an assortment of more than 36 quick bites, smoothies, juices, and more satisfying add ons. Looking to cut back on takeout? Out, get Factor instead. Not only is Factor cheaper, but meals are ready quicker than restaurant delivery. Just two minutes. Also, eating vegan or veggie is a snap with Factor. Each meal has all the ingredients you want and nothing you don't. And if you're looking to mix it up, you can add a protein to your vegan and veggie meals each week. Get Factor and enjoy clean eating without the hassle. Simply choose and enjoy fresh, flavor-packed meals delivered to your door. Don't hesitate. Head to factormeals.com slash filmschool50 and use the code filmschool50 to get 50% off your first box. Again, that's factormeals.com slash filmschool50 to get 50% off your first box. Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit. The real big question I had as far as from your perspective, watching that game last Sunday, but like the Knicks were missing RJ Barrett. They've been missing Mitchell Robinson for the last three weeks. And yet we're still able to come back from 21 down against the the Sixers the night after that type of heartbreaking loss against the Clippers. Did you walk away from that more impressed by the Knicks or frustrated that the Sixers didn't put them away when it's clear, like the opportunity was there to put a team to bed like that? So, yeah, I think it's a little bit of both. One, the Sixers have been one twenty-two of 28. You know, this, I mean, they've had a lot of celebratory moments this season. And sometimes, as much as fans don't want to like, say it, you need to be humbled. You need to get punched in the face to, to, to get go back down to earth and then regroup a little bit and do some adversity. And so, you know, it's a very similar game. to they, they lost at home to the Magic earlier in the week where they were up 21 in the first quarter and lost the game. Um, you know, I think part of it is like the Knicks were obviously 
desperate after a brutal, excruciating loss to the Clippers at home the previous night. You never want to lose. You never want to get swept on uh, back to back on your home court. Um, so they had a little bit more motivation to win that game, and the Sixers should have had motivation to win the game. And in fact, there was no reason that they shouldn't have won that game because there was no Mitchell Robinson, and he usually gives Joel a problem, and. Uh, you know, he could have just easily dominated them all night and he had a great first quarter first half and then didn't. And I think they lost the game because the bench saw that the offense was humming and then they're like, all right, well, this isn't an offensive game. And they came in as soon as Joel left the game, it was like over. It was, you know, the, the, the Reed and, and Harold were giving up points left and right. Harold was blown off the court in like four minutes flat and Reed was not much better. Uh, and you know, um, they, the Knicks went right to, right to the rim. They attacked fearlessly. And so th- those were more problems that we knew existed prior. The Sixers have a backup big man problems for the 20 millionth year in a row. It's been the same problem for the last for whatever many years since before I started covering the team Been a problem. Um, so my surprise by it, no, was there any kind of new takeaway? Not really. I thought it was just the Sixers didn't play with the level of urgency they needed. Um, and I also thought like there was an element of shooting luck. Like the Knicks made every single corner three they had to make in that game. The Knicks also in, in the fourth quarter of a back-to-back where legs usually are tired and there's fatigue that settles in, they got every single offensive rebound they needed in that quarter. So the Knicks thoroughly outplayed them. Um, there were some 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 great made threes in the corner from Quentin Grimes off the short roll and playmaking in the middle of the floor, um, you know, and they just simply had executed the Sixers. That's all. Do you have higher hopes for this game on Friday? Even though the Knicks obviously have a, another Villanova product in Josh Hart for this game, um, how how do you view this game coming in? Is this like a okay? We now make the adjustments and beat a team that you're better than. Yeah, I mean, I think you think about it in that light, um, you know, more talented and therefore should win. Uh, I'd be interested to see if Josh Hart's available for that game yet. I don't true, know, I don't, true. Yeah, I don't know if the trades have been finalized. They say he's like, not, say he's night. not. Yeah. Just in general, yeah. the fact that the Sixers, like, you know, in general should... Yeah. Are the Knicks not a team you should lose to twice in six days, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I think it's like the, the talent differential is, is what it is. I also think that it's worth noting that like neither team traded away a player that they so heavily rely on that won't be there. Like the Knicks traded away Svee and Arch and, uh, and, and Cam who weren't in the rotation really. And the Sixers took it away five. So even if none of the guys are available, you know, or none of the new guys are available for their respective teams, the subtractions weren't big, significant rotation players either. Interesting. Um, as far as the Sixers and how this season has gone, um, you know, I was talk- talking to somebody last week for the the other the the last game that they played, and how like the season really kind of starts in April, and you know now that's going to become even more yeah. so that we're under thirty games left to play. Um, with your with your access, do you kind of get that sense around the team that they also like are they're fine working through some kinks here and that there's another gear that they'll kick it into come close to the playoffs. Yeah. I think they kind of trust themselves. Um, they've battled through various moments of adversity throughout the season. Uh, Tyrese Maxi missed more than a month with a foot injury. James Harden missed a month with a foot injury. Joel has had four, and has had two separate 
poor game absences or whatever it might be. So they've had some adversity. They've stayed above water and, you know, they really started the hum in the last, you know, two months. So I think they feel like, okay, we know who we are. We know how we can win games here. And I think now it's like, you know, the Sixers of all teams know that winning championships don't, doesn't happen regular season. They've had, you know, multiple 50 win seasons since Joel came into the league and all of them have capped out in the second round. So, I mean, you know, they're not trying to win regular season championships. They're trying to stay healthy, uh, you know, get, get their feet wet in the regular season and then really kick it up a notch and, uh, you know, zone in the playoffs. This MVP thing is interesting to me from the outside looking in. Um, you being around it every day. I think Jokic is going to win his third straight MVP. I also am aware of the historical ramifications of him being in the same category as Larry Bird. Uh, do you think, let me ask you just personally, do you think, do you think Embiid cares if he's not yeah. going to win? Okay, so he absolutely yeah. cares. Do he you says think, he does it, but I think most players say they don't when they really okay. do. Yeah. Okay. So let me ask this, do you think Jokic should win his third straight? Do you think he should have won the first two? I, when we were doing like our, like we don't have votes, so it's different. Um, but when we were going through it in our own evaluations and again, we can only go by what the data kind of tells us. He was the runaway for both the first two. And I'm hesitant because I'm a big fan of history. Um, and that's more what guides me when I evaluate sport and I'm hesitant to do it. I also do see a world where Denver's good this year. And as a result, you're able to, Validate a three-time MVP with okay. The the year he won his third is also the year that they got to the conference finals or even the finals and potentially won it. Um, so I think as of right now, I would vote for him as while recognizing what you're doing and giving him that third MVP. So you so you would vote for him. It sounds like I think at this point I would. I'm also like I'm more hesitant this year, which is ironic because I think this is the best of the three years. You know, which I think is my bigger issue. Like. I don't want basketball to become baseball where we've completely separated individual performance and data and stats from winning. I understand it's easier to do in baseball, but in basketball, the MVP award has translated to playoff success. Even though it is a regular season award, the guy that wins the MVP has mattered rounds into the playoffs in historically. And I think Jokic is going to have these stats going forward. It's why like, the Otani versus Judge argument took a lot of steam in New York because like Otani is like has broken the sport, you know, like how do yeah. we evaluate a guy if he's like the 13th best pitcher and the fourth best hitter or vice versa? It's not the best in anything, but he's does both. Like, how do we then just reward the best hitter or the best pitcher for this award? What Jokic is doing, someone compared to Otani. And as a result, like, even if he isn't like the best player, although statistically he might be you can understand if you want to reward somebody else as a as a result because it's hard to evaluate you know sure so here's what i think i think the first mvp was totally fine like joel missed the whatever it was amount of games because of a knee injury and fine um Jokic has undoubtedly been more durable i think also Jokic is a little more ground bound than joel is in terms of athleticism mm -hmm. um i thought last year probably should have gone to Joel because even though like he missed games and, you know, even though like Denver, like the, the numbers say like, you know, the on and offs, whatever were great for Jokic and they were, it's great. 
Um, I think you have to take in the fact that the Sixers were literally like actively trying to trade a guy who was dead weight (laughs) and he kept them more than above water, you know, in that time. And, you know, saved, he alone basically kept, you know, saved their season. And, you know, there, there are some other factors in there, but I don't know that, you know, Harden asks out if they're not able to, you know, stem the tides per se. Mm-hmm. Uh, this season, I think, like, you know, like winning matters. I think Denver's, you know, the one seed in the West right now. Um, I do think that I would probably if it, that if it were me, I would probably take issue with like the guy has been eliminated from the from you know the playoffs in you know the second round to the first round. What two years running now, and mm-hmm. this year might be the third. You know, it, it, let's let's say Phoenix ends up the the eight seed, which God bless whoever has mm-hmm. to face that. Um, you know, that could be three years running. Can the guy who, you know, is, is there a discussion to be had about, should we extend the MVP voting into postseason where things really matter, where value is really present? Um, my biggest issue with, with the Jokic MVP debate right now is if the guy has to be subbed off for defense in crunch time, that, that's a problem to me. And I think, you know, Jokic has to be subbed off sometimes. Joel doesn't. In fact, you need Joel on the court every minute you can get him to have a chance. Um, so, you know, I, I think like everyone takes a little, it takes it a little too far. I do think that the analytics and the, 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 all these fancy numbers that I think take the game away from the court and put it on an Excel sheet, uh, you know, I think that can kind of annoy people, but I I mean, I think they're, they're just both great players and they deserve to be appreciated for what they do. Um. Yeah, you know, someone brought this up to me. I think there's an interesting conversation to to be had about like, you know, Jokic is incredibly valuable, but he's also pass first center. And you know, in order for you to win in this league, you need to be, you know, a superstar shot maker in most most times. And can you be a you know a valuable playoff player? If you're relying on other people to make shots, granted you create the shots for them, but they have to make shots. And Jokic shooting 12 shots a game, I don't know that that's a that, that, that's a that's a survivable strategy as you get deeper into the playoffs. So I think it's two different arguments, though. The survivable yeah. strategy deeper into the playoffs, I, it's the weirdest thing. Like I would probably take, I would probably take Embiid in a game seven over. Jokic. It doesn't mean that Jokic wasn't more valuable because, like, being sure. a pass first center, I think that's the what makes him the unique Otani yeah. comp. You know, he's a Absolutely. point center. That's something we've never seen yeah. before. You know, um, yeah, yeah. I like because, like, when Steph won his MVP, I still would have taken LeBron over him in a seven game series. Sure, you know, or in a game seven. You know, I think the underscore is like we've diluted the MVP these award conversations, and mostly because we bring in stats that are very hard to qualify and how ha- and you know and have a lot of you know cl- clarity issues to them if there were a more uniform way to evaluate the stuff i think it would be much easier and there'd be much less friction and back and forth about who is the most valuable guy that said that's kind of why we do it <laughs> <laughs> don't disagree um last thing before i let you go um the like this, this, the New York Philly rivalry, I think, is actually more of a thing than the um, Knicks Nets rivalry. I, I, I think there will be, like, as a Mets fan, I despise 
Phillies way more than I despise. Well, okay, no, I despise the Yankees much more than I despise the Phillies. But I have more chances to root against the Phillies than I do the Yankees. Um, and as a result, um, Philly has kind of become title town over the last, let's call it a couple months between the Phillies going to the World Series. A time of uh, people hearing this, uh, two days away from the Eagles playing in the Super Bowl. Um, the vibes in Philly, if that does... I asked the guy I asked last week was um do, do the Eagles need what does the matter does it matter what the Eagles do do they need to win in order to present good vibes for the rest of the Sixers season or do you foresee like oh like this is just what being in Philly is right now that we get to championship games or potentially championship series and you know let have the the ball the results are what they are you know so I think all the teams do a really good job of welcoming and, you know, uh, being, what's the word, hospitable mm-hmm. to other to the other team's players. If they want to go to games, they're, it's very, you know, like they get very nice service, very nice seats, what, you know, a box, what have you. Um, and, you know, they, they do do, they're very receptive of one another and the teams are, that's nice. I do think that the recent history of the Sixers, the vibes are going to be this. The Eagles win, it's thank God the Eagles won because we know the Sixers aren't going to get past second round. Uh, okay. if, if the Eagles lose, it's we are doomed, everything sucks, <laughs> and the Sixers are going to disappoint us again, too. So, you know, I, I, I think everyone lives and dies by the Eagles. And I think, you know, the Sixers will get a hall pass for a week or two, it, it, you know, if the Eagles win the, Eagles win the bowl. But, uh, yeah, it's it's very much like a you know everyone kind of lives and dies with every team. Daryl Moore even like had a conversation about this recently with one of our writers. It was like uh, you know it's like it's different in in Philly than it is in Houston. In Houston, it's like the Texans and football are king. No one else really cares about the Rockets here. It's like no, you want everybody to do well because that means that you won't get as much hate. <laughs> Your yeah, team no. will get as much hate. So yeah, it's been a, been a great run for the Sixers for. Or, for the Eagles and the Phillies was an unbelievable run. We all had a best time with that. So uh, yeah, it's been a good, been a good stretch. If the Sixers can just get to the conference finals now, that would be pretty nice. That would, that would literally be a step forward for for this yeah. group. You know, makes, makes my job more fun. So. I was going to say, hopefully, it makes your experience covering the team a little more fun yeah. as well. Um, Austin, you've been great. Thank you so much for giving me your time. If you don't mind, share where people can find you and your work on the internet. Yes, yeah, so you can find me at NBA Krill on uh twitter uh my my podcast at the future and beat is in my bio i cover the sixers for the painted lines.com and the nba at large for usa today sports and uh and their their nba wires uh, s- uh satellite sites um i don't know if this guy is one of your listeners but if greg Agello is a listener is listening uh shout out to one of my friends from, from <laughs> nova so and, and nick callen as well so i'll plug those guys and uh yeah thank you Shout out to Greg and Nick. If you're not listeners, I hope you're listeners now after hearing <laughs> your buddy on the next Film School podcast. Austin, thanks again, man. No problem. Thank you, Andrew. Once again, a huge thank you to Austin for coming on today's pregame show. Check him out. Check out his uh, Twitter account. It's in the description of this uh, episode. Um, I, I, I the, the whole Cam went to high school with me and I played with him was just like, 
Look at God. Look at look look at uh, how that worked out. <laughs> just like looking for someone that covers the Sixers, and he just so happened to be high school teammates with the most polarizing Knicks basketball player, not named R.J. Reddish, that got traded yesterday. R.J. Reddish, did you hear what I just did? I have had no sleep this week, and that uh, Freudian slip was perfect. Um, thank you to everybody for taking in all the content we had this week. If you want to send a big thank you, because I know a lot of you have said like, thank you for producing all the content. You know how you can thank me? Head to iTunes. Drop a five-star rating and a review. Let that let that be your thank you for the week that you've reviewed the pod on iTunes and said a huge thank you to us there. Like, Express all of your gratitude there. Um, even if you want to like express your concerns or your frustrations with... Um, Let's just say one of us and and their their feelings about things. Um, as long as it's five stars, I don't care. Uh, we actually have like it's funny. Someone has a five star rating in the uh, Apple charts. If you want to go check it out, where it starts off with John is in all caps stubborn, but it's five stars, so I don't care. Right, John is stubborn as your five star rating. I'll appreciate it. Um, that'll do it for me. If you dig the show, again, five star rating and a review. John and APJP will be on the post game show on Friday night, or I guess tonight after the Knicks play the Sixers, hopefully after a win. But until next time, thank you for listening. Enjoy the game, and I will speak with you soon. Peace. <laughs>